Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Fat Boys Dynasty podcast presented by the Fantasy Holics. Uh, today we're going to cover the um, AFC West, our last division. Um, so, uh, yeah, we're going to finish up our last division, and then I think um, we're going to we're going to um, get ready for uh, in season stuff. Uh, some spicy hot takes. Um, uh, Bo, you got anything to add, real fast? Yeah, Brent. You know this has been a this has been a little bit of a fun journey for you and I uh, going through these divisions, and, and uh, we've struggled with some divisions. Other divisions have been pretty easy, and uh, obviously, in uh, in my opinion, as well as probably most most people that uh, that divulge a lot of time and energy into fantasy football would agree that this is the the best division for last year. Um, the most potent teams, the most potent offenses, the most fantasy relevant names. Uh, we saved it for the last division of the of the, the season, and, and it just so happened it was an accident we did that. Uh, but what a perfect accident it was to wrap this se- this series up. Um, like you had alluded to, you know, we're ready to jump into some end season stuff, ready to start talking about some of these college guys uh, that are going to have immediate impact next year for Dynasty. Um, you know, ready to, ready to get into some hot takes and some things you and I could see happening this this year uh, and getting ready to do some some breakdowns of, of weekly games. I'm excited. We're, we're two weeks out, right? A little under two weeks out. Uh, so uh, who can't, who isn't excited for that? Um, you know, football's here and what better way to, to get into it than wrapping up the best division in our series and then jumping into some other stuff. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, football's definitely here. Uh, last weekend, our, uh, two weekends ago, we had our rookie draft. And last weekend I had my family draft. This upcoming weekend apparently I uh, didn't get out of a league that I thought I got out of, so I have another draft now. So uh, yeah, I'm definitely excited. Um, it's coming up. It's really coming up. But let's let's dive straight into this division. Um, I got the AFC West, um, and we're gonna dive straight into the champs, Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the stud because the stud is kind of pretty much cut dry to the point. Travis Kelsey. It's Travis Kelsey. There's really not a whole lot to say about him since 2016. He's finished either as tight end one or two. He only finished as tight end two once. Um, he's going to be a target hog for Patrick Mahomes with Patrick Mahomes losing uh, Tyreek Hill. So it's definitely going to um, be a big thing for uh, Kelsey to really fill that or help fill that void. So, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to say. It's, it's Travis Kelsey. The man's going to put up points. And his ADP is slowly slipping. Um, as um, as the preseason went on, I mean, yeah, he's still, you know, you still got to take him in the second or third round, but that's a lot better than, you know, where he was last year. He was a first-round draft pick almost. Sure. Um, Which you think you would think, granted, be roles reversed, right? Last year, Tyreek was in town, and he was a first-round draft pick. Tyreek leaves. Kelsey's in line for potentially the biggest tight end season of all time. Right. And he, slot, and he slides. Right. Yeah, it's interesting. Right. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go on my duds. My duds was, was a little bit hard to do. Um, I know when we originally talked about this, I thought I was actually going to have Patrick Mahomes here with how high his ADP was, but that has slowly trickled down, and uh, he's more in a comfortable zone. So I'm going to go with my duds. My duds is the Kansas City Chiefs backfield. CEH uh, never really has been – the guy, like we all thought, he was going to come out and he was going to be the guy in that backfield. Um, he, uh, the emergence of Isaiah Pacheco coming through this uh, this um, preseason, who's looked really good. Um, 
So yeah, I mean, just just that that backfield really scares me away um, with with how it's going to go because well, you still got Jarek McKinnon snooping around. You still got, like I said, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Isaiah Pacheco. I know I'm missing another name that's been snooping around in there. Ronald Jones. Thank you. Ronald Jones is still sniffing around. So I'm gonna I'm gonna start with Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, his rookie year, he played 13 games. He did finish as the uh, running back 22. Uh, last year, he played 10 games. He play, finished as running back 45. Um, that's actually where um, – oh, excuse me. That's actually roughly, I believe, that's where he's going is around the 45th player off the board. I could be completely wrong and have somebody else pulled up um, at the moment. I'm looking real fast. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, sorry, the 70th. I definitely was looking at somebody else. But still, he's the 70th player overall off the board. And I mean, it's just—it's it, one of those guys. It's one of those backfields that's such a miss, or such a hit or miss. I mean, you got Isaiah Pacheco. You don't really know what's going to happen with him. He's looked phenomenal this preseason. Um, Ronald Jones always snoops around in in every backfield. Apparently, he's been in um, over there in Tampa Bay also. And then we know Jarek McKinnon is is very capable of being a pass catching back. Um, that backfield is just something I'm kind of shying away from because I don't know if it's ever going to be one back good enough to actually put go head and the shoulders above and make me feel comfortable starting them. Brent, let me ask you, uh, when, it, when it comes to Clyde Edwards-Elaire, um, you know, based on where his ADP sits and the players who sit around him in that same position at, at running back, uh, Clyde Edwards-Elaire or Elijah Mitchell? I'm taking Elijah Mitchell. Okay. Um, it, it's it's odd, Oddly enough, as I'm going through these names, uh, all these guys are going to be in running back by committees, in in my opinion. Um, James Cook or Clyde edwards Elaire? I'm going, oh, that one's tough because I don't know how much I trust James Cook. Uh, Dynasty-wise, I think I'm going to go with James Cook because I think his upside for the future is a little better than Clyde edwards Elaire. And last one, Miles Sanders or Clyde edwards Elaire. I'll take Clyde because we went over that last week while I'm not touching Miles Sanders. Um, okay, fair enough. But uh, normally, that's 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 what a lot of people are calling the uh, running back dead zone. So I'm hoping that when I get down to those names, I'm uh, already set with my first one, two, and three running backs, and I don't even have to look at those guys. Um, sure. So my sleeper is um, th- this one's not going to shock a whole lot of people. It's Juju Smith-Schuster. He's going outside the top 30 wide receivers. He got signed with the Chiefs, which could be the best career move for him. Unfortunately, you do got to watch out for them TikToks with him and uh, with him and old Patrick's brother there. Uh, Jackson? Yeah, Jackson. That's his name. Sorry, not fantasy relevant for me, so don't need to read his name. But, uh, yeah, with uh, but Juju, Juju uh, literally was just playing last year with limp, limp arm um, Ben Roethlisberger. And not only that, he also only played in five full games last year for the Kansas City Chiefs, or no, before the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then we go back one more year back, and, and this guy is, like I said, he's being drafted as outside the top 30, and then one more year back with Big Ben, he still finished. What is going on? Sorry, my computer's going on the fritz for me for a minute. In, in 2021, it, he finishes five. I'm sorry, I know I'm repeating myself here. I will get I will get back on track. Um in 2020, he finished as a wide receiver 17 in PPR. Nine touchdowns, he played 16 games with limp noodle arm Ben Roethlisberger. Um, 
So this guy has shown his 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 ability to be up there. Uh, 2018, he's finished as a wide receiver eight in PPR, and I know 2019 he played 12 games, finished as 65 wide receiver 65. So what he's any year that he's ever gotten hurt, it seems that you know he doesn't live up to it. But I'm sorry, outside of um, the top 30 of wideouts being paired with um, Patrick Mahomes and. Uh, uh, a system that has a bunch of vacated targets. Give me Juju Smith all day long. Like I said, 76th player off the board. Definitely have a, has a chance to relive his glory days. The man's only 25 years old also, so he's still in like that prime time to own a wide receiver in a dynasty league too. Yeah, that that Kansas City, uh, that the team's going to put up fantasy relevant players every week uh, outside of you know Mahomes and Kelsey, just because of Mahomes being that good and the offense being that good. Um, I, I'm just I don't know who it's going to be in the backfield, and I think I'm starting to align myself more with Juju than I was at the beginning of the off season when he first went there. But I still there's still so many names there with Juju and. Uh, Marquez Valdez Scantling and McCole Hardman and Sky Moore and all these other names that have been added, and it's just going to be really interesting to see how that shakes out as the course of the season progresses. And I, again, like you just said, I, I think it's probably going to be Juju. I mean, Juju's had some great, t- uh, great years in Pittsburgh, um, and it, you know the chemistry seems to be building quickly with Patrick Mahomes. But it'll be interesting to see how that uh, unfolds over a 17-game season. Absolutely. Well, that brings me to my breakout. You bring up Marquez Valdez-Scantling, 27 years old, speedster, coming into an offense that's missing Tyreek Hill's speed for that take-the-top-off-of-the-defense type guy. Well, Marquez Valdez-Scantling could be that guy. I don't really want to go out and say he will be, but there's a very high possibility that this guy could be that take-the-top-off-of-type wide receiver for Patrick Mahomes this year. He's only 27 years old. He's playing, like I said, with Patrick Mahomes with the, one of the best arm, with one of, if not the best arm in the NFL. So this is a guy, he's going as 158th player off the board. I'm definitely willing to throw a dart at a guy in the Kansas City Chiefs offense that could burn most, wide, most corners in this game still. I'll take a dart at, at 158 and, ho- and, and hope that, that sticks and, and in the Kansas City Chiefs offense, we have seen it stick more often than not. Sure. Yeah. Again, there's there's several offenses that there's uh, late round uh, flyers that you take a, a chance on just because of how good the offense is. And I imagine there's going to be four players we talk about today uh, that fall into that category of let me just get a piece of that offense for cheap late. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, you could go with uh, Valdez, Scantling, Sky Moore. Um, I'm probably missing another one, too, um, out there. But, I mean, yeah, those wide receivers are just going to be a uh, dime a dozen with um, with taking a shot out at them. Um, well, that, that concludes my Chiefs. Um, what, who you got coming up next? Uh, we're going to go with the Los Angeles Chargers next. All right. Uh, and the Chargers are – Again, in my opinion, every team in this division is going to be very similar um, just because of how clear the top end is and how um, yeah, there's just not there's not a whole lot of bad to talk about with any of these teams. But uh, for Los, the Los Angeles Chargers, I'm going to start with Austin Eckler uh, as my stud. You know, right now he's going as the eighth player off the board, which I know is a very high premium 
But this is a guy uh, just last season finished as the RB two in PPR formats. So if you get him at the at the seven, eight, nine, ten range, and he finishes top five again, you're going to be very very pleased with with your production there. Um, again, and I know there's a lot of people where you know they three years in a row the Chiefs have, or the Chargers have drafted a running back. And they're trying to take that running away from from Eckler a little bit, trying to get him back into that role he had with Melvin Gordon. The last year Melvin Gordon was in Los Angeles. Austin Eckler finishes the RB four in PPR formats so adding a rookie to this doesn't scare me tremendously uh eckler should be another stud this year should finish in the top five and, and running back uh, ppr running back formats so not worried about austin eckler um let's just get my dud out of the way with too because this one's going to hurt people's feelings i have a feeling uh and, and we're going with justin herbert as the dud uh, and quite simply put this is this is <laughs> i see you shaking your head at me brant uh I, I had three different names there, and I couldn't justify a single one of them. All right, and I really, truly can't justify Justin Herberts with any any other reason other than the simple fact that right now he is being drafted in front of Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow. Either one of those guys could finish in front of him this season. It's just purely the fact that he's being taken as the second quarterback off the board that has priced him out of where I'd be comfortable taking him at this point, uh, and just. For that reason, again, if it, it, when you're being drafted as the second player of a position, if you don't finish top two in that position, you're gonna you're gonna be a disappointment for a lot of folks. Um, you know, especially those those guys that uh, you know aren't pouring their heart, soul, and blood into this uh, fantasy stuff. You know, the guys that just do this for fun, or uh, the people that do this just for a reason to hang out with the boys, or maybe have a reason to watch football. Uh, those people, your your everyday average fan, might be a little uh, disappointed if Justin Herbert comes out and finishes as a quarterback five. Okay, well, I'm sitting there. I was shaking my head. I did a I did a best ball draft last night, and uh, uh, Herbert slid and slid and slid. I go, man, what did this dude dig up while doing his research that I missed? And uh, I ended up grabbing Justin Herbert as my quarterback. So he had me a little nervous that you dug something up that uh, that I may have missed. And and. Uh, um, so I, I, I see where you're coming from with his ADP being way up there and, and, and the fact that he is being drafted above Patrick Mahomes. I understand the Joe Burrow one um, to an extent, but, yeah, definitely I understand that being your dud. So uh, I'm glad you clarified that up for me. You had me a little nervous thinking maybe I missed something <laughs> while doing my best ball last night. No, no. Like I said, it was purely the simple fact that – I struggled to find a dud here, but I didn't want to take the, the, the cheap, easy way out again this week like I did a couple of times last week. Um, let's move on into my sleeper here. and uh, Or my breakout, I'm sorry. My breakout here is uh, none other than Joshua Palmer. Um, this kid's going as the 181st player off the board, falling into the 16th round. Um, you know, this is this is a guy that the, that the Chargers have come out uh, and named as the third wide receiver, you know, out there with Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams. Uh, and Joshua Palmer is going into his second year in the league. And, you know, last year he showed some bright flashes. Uh, it, it didn't happen over the course of an entire season. Um, but towards the end of the season, the last, I don't know, five weeks here, uh, it was very uh, – I almost want to say like military style performance, like left, right, left, right, but instead it was high to low, high to low for points. 
Um, week 14 against the Giants, he had uh, 17 points fantasy. Week 15 against the Chiefs last year, he had two points for fantasy. Week 16 against Houston was 15 points for fantasy. Week 17 in Den- uh, Denver was four points in fantasy, and then he finished the season out in week 18 with another 15-point performance. So this is a guy that you know really kind of started to come on a little bit towards the tail end of the season last year. Um and then, uh, you know, had a good camp this year with Justin Herbert and those guys and uh, has done enough for the for the coaching staff to name him as the, as the third wideout. Um, so I'm going to be really interested to see. And, again, if, if, if the 181st overall player off the board, um, I'm getting another chance to, to throw a, or grab a player um, that's attached to Justin Herbert and should be attached to Justin Herbert for quite a while. Um, you know, Keenan Allen's 30 years of age. Mike Williams is 27. Joshua Palmer's 22. So this could be a thing that we see uh, in Los Angeles for quite a few years going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Young guy being attached with that offense. I absolutely love that take over there on Joshua Palmer. I've actually tried to um, go out and acquire him in some of our uh, dynasty leagues that we have because that offense is going to be something fun to watch going forward. So very similar uh, and to the reasons that I'm, I'm interested in Josh Palmer this year. I'm also interested in the new tight end uh, that went this offseason to call Los Angeles home and Gerald Everett. Um, again, this is, a, this is a guy that, for the most part, his career has never panned out to be what anybody's thought it would. There was, there was some high hopes for him back when he was with Los Angeles. Uh, would it be him? Would it be Tyler Higby? Um, then last year he left and went to the land of the tight ends in Seattle. Um, we cut one. We cut one yesterday. Oh boy, uh, didn't really pan out uh, in Seattle, um, but now is in Los Angeles, and you know uh, he's going as the 213th player off the board in the middle of the 18th round. And again, this is just purely a educated dart throw, if you will. Um, on the fact that there's going to be plenty of high-value targets in this Chargers offense. Um, and, again, if, if, if I'm sitting in my draft and I'm looking at the board and, you know, I've got all my starters figured out, I've got a pretty decent bench going so far, and I'm just sitting there going, what player could I add that could potentially uh, have impact on my roster? Because a lot of times we say these dart throws. Well, when I say taking a dart throw late in draft, I'm not just closing my eyes and picking a random player. I'm picking somebody that I hope at some point will contribute to my roster. Gerald Everett's in a landing spot where he could potentially contribute to your roster. Again, this is not a guy that's ever had very high finishes in fantasy, um, but uh, here in Los Angeles, you know, Keenan Allen's going to draw a lot of tight coverage. Mike Williams should as well. That's going to leave guys like Joshua Palmer and Gerald Everett with pretty soft coverage, in my opinion. And again, if Gerald Everett comes down with, you know, six, seven touchdowns, and you get him in the in the 18th round, you're going to be very, very pleased with the production at, at that value. Yeah, absolutely. Gerald Everett's definitely a guy that uh, I am looking to grab late in drafts um, to stack and, and um, to stack and move on with that offense. Um, this is one of those as you as you get deeper and deeper into that offense. This is one of those offenses that start to look like the Kansas City over the past few years, where. Uh, you just you you want a piece of that offense, regardless of where it's at in that draft. You want to make sure you grab something and hold on to it just to see what sticks there. 
Yeah, again, not to continue to beat a dead horse here, but I feel like that's every team in this division. There's there's later dart throws that you want to look at that you're like, yep, let me get a piece of that offense. Uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, is that all yours? Did I? Yeah. That was all four of my charges. Okay. Yes, wow. Okay. Uh, well, let me uh, let me jump into these Las Vegas Raiders, and uh, I'm going to go straight into my dud. My dud's Darren Waller. Man's already dealing with injury. We're not even sure if he's going to suit up for week one. Um, he's going as the 50th player off the board. He's going as tight end uh, four. And honestly, and, and, and what I look like, what I look at is Darren Waller could honestly be that odd guy or the odd man looking in with this new offense. You got uh, backfield by committee with Josh Jacobs, Amir White, and uh, then you got the addition of Devontae Adams. You got Hunter Renfro's developing connection. And, and Waller really, I'm sorry, you, you, you're going that early in the fourth, fifth round of, of fantasy drafts. I need you to perform as a top end as a top-end talent, for especially at the tight end position. And I just don't see how he can sustain that. Um, we've had the injury concerns of the hist- uh, in, in his past. Um, like I said, he's already dealing with a uh, hamstring issue throughout camp this year. Um, this guy is – this guy's the, the – the, um, this guy could end up being one of the biggest busts of fantasy this year at his ADP. And I know we've, we've – this is a horse that we've been beating on a little bit this offseason, too. And I know neither one of us is honestly the you know the Darren Waller believer anymore. But this guy is a guy that I definitely am shying away from anywhere and everywhere. I don't want any piece of this one. Yeah, Brand, you know, um, I, I took over an orphan dynasty team this, this offseason. And uh, one of the first things I did when I took that roster over was find a way to get Darren Waller off of my team. Of course, I made what in my mind was a very great trade in Dynasty. I sent Darren Waller and Juju Smith-Schuster uh, for Kyle Pitts in a second-round pick in the rookie draft that we just did this weekend uh, in that league. Uh, but, again, Darren Waller was one of those names. As soon as I saw my roster, I was like, yeah, i got to find somebody who's who's willing to pay You know what he finished as the last couple of years, not where I think he's headed. And I found that with somebody in that league. But... You know, Darren Waller's one of those guys that I imagine in, in most dynasty leagues, either the owner of him is infatuated with him and never going to move him, so it's not an issue, or a lot of people may be scared to take him on because of the addition to Devontae Adams. And, and listen, I, I truly think Devontae Adams is going to lead that team by in targets by 20-plus targets. Um, so that's going to pull value away from somebody, right? And I, I tend to believe it's going to be Darren Waller. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 you 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 say uh, you say Devontae Adams. Well, that's going to pull me right into my stud. He's getting reunited with his uh, Fresno State quarterback, and Devontae Adams is Devontae Adams. Uh, he's a stud. I mean, look where he's finished the last few years. One, two, you know, he's always up there. And I get it. He was attached to um, he was attached to. Um, Aaron Rodgers, well, he's going in and he's getting attached to a guy in Derek Carr that he's already had an attachment with, and Adam's numbers with Carr in college with the two seasons, let's just hit one, 102 catches, 1,300 yards, 14 touchdowns, 131 catches, 1,700 yards, 24 touchdowns. 
I'll take those. I'll take those numbers all day in the NFL, and I get it. That was at college at Fresno State, but it tells me these guys had a very, very good connection in college, and that's definitely um, they, they've worked on. They've worked in the off season over the over their careers together. So these guys have never really lost touch with each other. Um, and Derek Carr, I believe, in my mind, is one of the main reasons that Adams chose to choose. Um, the Raiders when it came down to his trade. So, yeah, this guy, I mean, it's Adams is a stud. Where he's being drafted at, absolutely love. You're talking, I get I get what could potentially be the number one wide receiver in the second round. Yes, please, all day long. He may not be as young and as flashy as these other guys, but he's still Devontae Adams. Do you, you think he chose Vegas to be with Derek Carr, not all the buffets that are in Vegas? Well, I mean, I know we choosing them buffets, but I don't think that man is. Okay, fair enough. So, um, well, that's going to bring me straight to my breakout. My breakout's Derek Carr, and the only reason I put him as a breakout, this man has done it. Everyone just doesn't seem to see it. Derek Carr's been a great fantasy quarterback. He's been a great overall quarterback in, you know, in the NFL, in fantasy, everything else. He just puts up, quietly puts up numbers. Now, he's never finished inside the top ten. But, I mean, he's always right there, and now you're giving him one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Um, Derek Carr is poised to have one of the best seasons of his career. Um, last year he finished as the number 13 quarterback in PPR, and I'm sorry, he really had Hunter Renfro and Waller every once in a while, and that was about it last year, and he still finishes 13. The year before that was 14. So, yeah, Derek Carr is poised to have one of the, the – one of the um, best seasons for him in his in his in his career. He's still only 31 years old, and he gets reunited with one of his best friends. This is a guy that's breaking out. I'm stealing him everywhere I can at the end of drafts as my QB two in super flex leagues, um, as my QB two in best balls, all the everything else. My QB two in dynasty. I want I want a lot of Derek Carr this year. Yeah, you know, again, I, I feel uh, very similarly to you with you on Derek Carr, especially uh, with the other names that are going around him on the board. Now, the names around him on the board are much younger for Dynasty, uh, but Trevor Lawrence is just above him. I'm taking Derek Carr over Trevor Lawrence at this point. Justin Fields and Tua are both just below him. I'm taking Derek Carr over both of those guys this year, as well as Mac Jones is right there as well. I'm taking Derek Carr over all of those guys um, uh, for Dynasty Again, this is a guy that if Derek Carr, I'm not, I'm not saying that this is my guy for this, but if Derek Carr finished the season as the MVP, it would not shock me at all. Again, I'm not saying I think that's very likely, but it, it would not shock me if Derek Derek Carr was the MVP. Yeah, absolutely. I, I definitely could see that type of season coming out of there. All right, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna go into my breakout here, and and I love our sleeper. I'm sorry, my sleeper pick here, and uh, that is. Uh, Zamir White, um, running back, uh, coming into um, the the Raiders. Um, he's 22 years old. This guy looked phenomenal in college. I know he had a shared backfield, so he's already used to that. But um, this is a guy that he sat out. Th- this is what really started sparking my interest on this one. He sat out the Hall of Fame game as um, – Josh Jacobs played in the Hall of Fame game. I know, you know, we shouldn't look too much into that. You shouldn't look too much into that. 
But let's be honest, who in the world do you ever see playing in the Hall of Fame game except for practice squad players and guys fixing to get cut by the end of the preseason? And um, Zamir White played very, very, if he did at all, he played very, very few snaps as Josh Jacobs went into the first into the first quarter of that game. Um, so just, uh, Zamir White's a guy that, that he's going at, he's going late, very, very late in drafts um, where I just had it pulled up. He's going as the 137th player overall. And, you know, the new head coach there in, um, for the Raiders is, is coming from the Patriots. And, you know, we see the running back by committee and everything else. I think that, that Zamir White is going to have a big role, especially with the cutting of, of Kenyon Drake. Um, and and th- like I say, he's 22 years old in a dynasty league, young. Josh Jacobs is on his last year. They did not pick up his fifth year. Zamir White could be the number one back there in, in Vegas uh, sooner rather than later. And getting him that late in, in, in uh, dynasty startups drafts absolutely is, is, is a good pickup to me. And, and like I said, he had a very good productive college career being in a committee with James Cook down there in Georgia. Yeah, uh, Zamir White's one that's recently grown on me as well. Um, again, the the Raiders declining to pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth-year option, as well as cutting Kenyon Drake says that they think they have something in Zamir White. Um, whether that translates to instant fantasy impact, I, I'm not sure. But, I, again, sometimes in Dynasty when we draft these young guys, we have to be patient with them, and this may be the case for Zamir. But I do think you're going to see him get some kind of a workload this year, whether it's third down work, whether it's, you know, uh, we'll see. I, I, I still think Josh Jacobs is probably the back to own for this year in Vegas, but I definitely think the future belongs to Zamir White. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And this is a guy, if you remember, I actually was kind of looking at him last year um, as we were doing our rookie research and everything else. I was looking into this guy last year. And then he chose to stay in college, which may have been, you know, the best thing for him, I think. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that brings me to the end of the Raiders. Uh, we got one more division, and I got a feeling I'll be uh, defending one of, my, uh, one of my former Seahawks as we, hit this, as we hit this next team. We'll see about that. All right, so uh, let's get into the Broncos here. Um, this one, this one was probably easier for me than the Chargers to come up with, but um, let's just run through it. So for for the stud, I have Javante Williams, um, and I'm going to go ahead and talk about the dud and my stud at the same time. For my dud, I have Melvin Gordon here. Okay, uh, when when you have a player like Melvin Gordon coming out and saying the coaching staff wants Javante to, to be the guy, it pretty much makes it pretty easy for you to for you to to make your decision in fantasy. Uh, Javante Williams right now is being drafted as the ninth player off the board. That's a little scary. So he's he's a, he's a first round guy, um, and you know if you take away Melvin Gordon last year and you give all of that work exclusively to Javante Williams, Javante Williams finishes as a top two running back last year in fantasy. Now again, we can't do that because Melvin Gordon is still there. However. Everything points to this being Javante Williams' year. Everything points to him, the carries being split closer to like 70, 30, 75, 25 than it did the 50 50 split that, that happened last year. Um, this offense is going to be much improved. Anytime you put a quarterback like of Russell Wilson's caliber in instead of Drew Locke, obviously the offense is going to take a huge step forward, which means another team's offense is going to take a step backwards. But we're not talking about the NFC. West this weekend. We're talking about the AFC West, so I'll leave your Seahawks alone, Brant. Um, 
But Melvin Gordon is being taken uh, in the ninth round still in drafts. And for me, if, I, if I'm drafting in the ninth round and I'm drafting a running back, uh, that's probably going to have less than a thirty percent or a thirty uh, percent stake in carries. I'm probably going to find somebody else to draft at that point. Now that you could make the argument that if you have um, if you have Javante Williams and you want to cuff him, then then that that would be a rational reason uh, to take Melvin Gordon. But aside from that, uh, the the other names on the board, I'm, I'm taking. You know, the guy you just talked about, Zamir White's right behind Melvin and Gordon in, in uh, Dynasty startups right now. I'm taking Zamir over him. Uh, you know, you got, you know, James Robinson, Ramondre Stevenson, Tyler Algier. All these guys are right there around him. I'm taking all those guys over, mm-hmm. over Melvin Gordon at this point. Uh, and it's just um, a personal feeling that I think Melvin Gordon's career is, is it's really, it's right there. It's at that, it's at that door where we're going to step out and walk away from it. Uh, and again, if I don't own Javante Williams, I don't see a reason to own Melvin Gordon uh, in a dynasty startup draft. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing that uh, that scares me away from uh, Williams is, is like you said, that ADP. And Russ has never really been known to dump it off to his running backs. But then again, he's never really had a running back that has the catching ability that um, Williams has. Uh, I mean, you, you think about who Russell's had. Marshawn Lynch, I'm going to run it straight through you. Chris Carson, I'm going to run it straight through you. And hurt myself all the time. And Penny, who just, you know, can never stay on the field long enough. So, absolutely. But, like I said, the only thing that really scares me with Williams is his ADP. But this is Dynasty League. you got to take the young guy. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, here's, here's my thing with this Denver Broncos offense, Brant, is – one, this is going to be the most exciting division in football to watch as far as these teams can light the scoreboard up quick, every single team across the board in this division. And two, the only thing that concerns me about Denver is that the expectations may be getting a little high uh, because, let's face it, Broncos country, let's ride. Let's ride. Uh, is, a, <laughs> is a thing now. And, uh, you know, anytime you add a guy like Russell Wilson – uh, the mindset has to be, hey, we're going all in, right? And as they should with the roster this way, this uh, the way it's set up. Uh, but that backfield's got to get clarified first for me before I before I see this team take off. Uh, let's talk about my sleeper real quick. Um, this is another one that, again, it's a calculated dart throw late. Um, but it's KJ Hamler. Listen, after after Tim Patrick got hurt. Uh, KJ Hamler should step into that third third uh, wide receiver role without question. Um, you know, everybody's talking all offseason. Is, is Russell Wilson going to target Cortland Sutton? Is he going to target Jerry Judy, who's going to be his guy? Well, obviously those are going to be one and two. But somebody else is going to have to step in. And Russ is that quarterback that when the play breaks down, he's, he's able to find guys. And I, I could see KJ Hamler especially going – and the 219th overall player off the board. So this is a guy that you're getting late. So end of the 18th round, same round as Gerald Everett that I just talked about with the Chargers. This is a guy that if I'm taking him late, this is a guy that I expect that is going to start for me a few weeks on my in my flex, maybe uh, in my wide receiver two spot, my, depending on bye weeks, things like that. This is a guy that I'm going to, if I get in the 18th round, I have no trouble plugging in my lineup with the fact that he is attached to Russell Wilson. When that play breaks down, Russ is going to find the open man in three wide receiver sets, and that very well could be K.J. Hamler when you have Jerry Judy and, and Cortland Sutton demanding the coverage uh, 
opposite of you. Absolutely, absolutely. I definitely could see KJ Hamler being that guy that Russell looks for when that play breaks down. Um, you got your great route runner and, and Judy and, and your big body target and in uh, Sutton and, and and Hamler could be that uh, backyard football player that Russell's used to playing with. And let's let's think about some of the names that Russell has made fantasy relevant with Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. Uh, both, you know, later round draft picks and, and guys just coming in to fill the role. And, and it, K.J. Hamler could be the next guy that Russell makes relevant because of that play that he has. You know, when I wrote this name down, Brand, I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't want you to feel insulted, but Doug Baldwin was the, was the name that came to mind when I was writing down K.J. Hamler for this. Um, and again, not to say that K.J. Hamler is ever going to be Doug Baldwin because what we got out of Doug Baldwin was absolutely special. And I know you know that better than a lot of folks having uh, – Watch, watching and, and loving the Seahawks the way you do. Um, but if K.J. Hamler develops that Doug Baldwin-style play with Russell Wilson, we could see great things out of K.J. Hamler. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know you were worried about having to defend uh, Russell Wilson when it got to Denver, uh, but obviously I've done my stud, dud, and sleeper, and I haven't brought him up yet. So I'm bringing him up as my breakout, all right? And – this is where you may have to do some defending, Brant, and it's not so much on Russell Wilson as it is your head coach in Seattle. Um, I think Russ is going to break out this year, not in the fact that he's never done it before. He's finished as the quarterback one in PPR before, so it's not to say any of that. It's simply the fact that I think this may be Russ's best chance that he's ever had for a MVP season uh, because in the past, even even a couple years ago, you know, I remember you and I joked about it when I traded for Russell in our other Dynasty League because he was blowing, blowing it up, lighting the world on fire, and then Pete Carroll's like, yeah, Russ is doing great things, but we gotta we gotta be a run first team. This is nonsense, uh, and you know I don't need to tell you where the rest of that season ended up. But uh, Russ is is coming in to Denver. Uh, you've said this over and over again. Probably the best offensive line he's had in his career. Um, I won't say this is the best pass-catching core he's had in his career because he's had some good ones there in Seattle. Uh, but he does have a very good pass. Uh, pass catching core here. He's got a very good run game here. Um, the biggest difference is that offensive line, and, and the, the the biggest thing for me is there's no Pete Carroll to say, "Yeah, Russ, you're doing great things," but let's step step back away from that because uh, I don't want you to win the MVP because that may make your contract negotiations more expensive later. Whatever the case was uh, that Russ was being held back in Seattle, I don't expect to see that uh, in Denver this year. And you know, Russ right now is going in the sixth round, so kind of at the tail end of that quarterback wave. And if I can get if I can get Russell, you know, there, there's that group that goes first. You know, the Josh Allen, J- Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson. When that run hits, right? Some people are like, "Yeah, I'm not doing it yet. I'm gonna I'm gonna let that 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 wave run out." And then you kind of have your second wave that's got your guys like Kyler Murray, Jalen Hurts, Dak Prescott. And then people start to get a little nervous and go, okay, there's a lot of quarterbacks off the board. Let me get one. That's where Russ comes into play. And if I can get Russ as the ninth quarterback off the board, uh, especially in a 10-man league, you're telling me I'm getting the ninth quarterback off the board and that guy's got just as good a chance to win the – or be the quarterback one as the first guy taken – that that definitely excites me. And again, when you're when you're drafting a quarterback in the sixth round, um, I know Brant, you and I have always been kind of that uh, those guys in, in leagues that when we do a startup, we kind of tend to wait on quarterback, address all the other things first. You can't always do that in dynasty. Um, but with that being said, 
Russ is at that spot where I'm, I would be comfortable taking a quarterback. You know, I've got my wide receivers solidified. I've probably gotten a decent wide receiver or two, maybe waiting on the tight end position. Um, but if I can solidify my quarterback spot at, in the sixth round, I'm definitely not not shied away from that. Russ would be a great guy to do that with. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I'm going to defend Pete here a little bit. Um, I'm pretty sure his old age sat in or was set, setting in, and he uh, – he forgot what our record was and how good Russ was looking when he openly admitted that we needed to dial it back. Um, yeah, no, I don't. There's times that I've always questioned what that old man does. I love Pete to death. Uh, he's, you know, probably got one of the most energies out of most head coaches in the NFL as, as and being the oldest. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the video going around, but I think Pete should be our QB1 going into week one. Um, I think he's looked better than anything else we've put on the field. Um but, yeah, no, I, I don't know why he ever did that to Russ and dialed him back, especially when he was having that year. And, and I'm hoping um, – I said it when we traded Russ. I think this was a few years too late that we should have moved on from Russ. Um, but I hope for uh, Russ's sake that, that Denver does him right and, and, and he moves forward. I know I sound – completely different than a lot of other Seahawks fans booing him out of a Seattle Storm Stadium. He's probably going to get booed Monday night. I don't know how you boo a guy like that that has won you a Super Bowl, took you right back to the Super Bowl, and as much as he's given and done for that city. Um, I absolutely hope that that you're, you're right here, and I absolutely do love Russell Wilson's position this year. Yeah, again, uh, Brand, I, I just want to, you know, not to, to, to beat a, a dead horse again here, uh, especially talking about the Broncos. Uh, but I, th- this division was a lot of fun to break down here. And, uh, you know, it, it may be the fact that when we started this, we were eight weeks away from uh, – or ten weeks away from the start of the season. Now we're concluding it, and we're just under two weeks away. Uh, but I'm super excited for fantasy football to get to get going here. I know um, – for a lot of people, we're still in the in the the heat of the uh, draft season, as as you said. Um, but man, I'm I'm get, I'm itching. I'm glad we've wrapped up this series. I'm ready to get into some hot takes, talking about the season a little bit more in depth. Uh, but this has been a fun series to conclude, and I'm glad we saved this division for last. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and, and and I know with with future uh, with the Fat Boys, uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to get out every week and uh, hop on there. We're hoping either Saturday night, Sunday morning, to do some starts and sits with you guys. Um, um, check out our our Facebook page of the Fat Boys Dynasty uh, Facebook page. Also, we want to get into Q and A with you guys throughout this year. Please, 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 please send us questions. Ask for the Fat Boys if you do it in the Fantasy Holics. Um, that way we can get it. Um, if if you want our opinion over, you know, uh, we want to get you guys on this show. We want to get you your questions here. We want to answer them on the show. We're also going to answer them obviously via messenger. But uh, yeah, we want we want this season. We want a lot of fan interaction. So please reach out to us, guys. Uh, send your messages. Um, hop on the lives with us whenever we do pop on. Um, you may see it where it's 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 just this it's just the short fat boy on. It may see it just the tall fat boy getting onto a live. But we're definitely going to try to really get our interaction up with you guys. So please help us out with that. Yeah, you know, uh, Brant, like you like you kind of alluded to um, when, when it comes to podcasts, and it, it doesn't work unless there's fan engagement. Uh, and you know, we definitely uh, want to bring some of you on and, and talk about your questions, like 
Brandon alluded to because sometimes talking about what the two fat boys come up with is is going to end up talking about some mashed potatoes at our favorite restaurant or uh, where we were able to get a good burger over the weekend. Uh, so if you it would help us stay stay dynasty relevant, you know if you've got questions about a college guy that you're interested in, um, you know coming out of the draft next year or. Uh, you know, you're you're looking at a trade in your dynasty league, and you want to know what you should offer, or if the trade's fair, or whatever. Don't hesitate, hit us up. You know, we we live live and eat and breathe this stuff, uh, and and I know I speak for both of us, but I say it with confidence. Um, we definitely enjoy doing this, and and definitely enjoy it more when you guys are engaged and 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 helping you guys out. That's what the goal is here. So don't hesitate to reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Um... We, we definitely want all the engagement we can and um, look forward to uh, pumping out some in-season stuff and getting into this, this season with you guys. And and uh, go ahead, you got something else? Yeah, yeah. I do want to say, too, as we're getting into this, this season, again, if Dynasty is not your thing and you're, you're more into the IDP stuff, again, we have a great IDP podcast with DWF with Seth Berger. Defense wins fantasy. Go check his pot out if you're looking for more of that IDP stuff. And uh, if you're looking for, you know, redraft stuff, go hit up the flex with Josh Rodriguez. Uh, again, the, the, the Fantasy Holics put together a great podcasting network. And if Dynasty's not your cup of tea, uh, or as the Fat Boys would like to say, your slice of pizza, uh, go check out some of these other pods because this this page is, is doing a lot of good things right now. Uh, make sure you give the Fantasy Holics page some love. Absolutely. And as always, stay hungry. Stay and stay fat, my friends. <laughs>